Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to help. And fair warning, our help comes with some strong language attached. So you know the drill by now. Hide your kids, because we're about to say some things. As a reflex to the fucking madness on the news, we are keeping it positive, uplifting, but opinionated. We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Hi, everybody. Welcome uh, to another week. Enough with that welcome. <laughs> we need to talk about Beyonce. That's enough. It's time to talk about the Renaissance. Okay, 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 okay. All right. My sis wants to jump straight in, which I, I appreciate because I'm also a member of the Hive. Of the big okay? Hive. So we were just peacefully enjoying, well, I don't know if enjoying our existence peacefully would be the thing enjoying. that we were doing. We were alive on a Thursday. Um, we were alive on a Thursday when all of a sudden my friend Amy texts me out of nowhere mm-hmm. and says, uh, did you get your Beyonce box? I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Beyonce box? What the fuck? And literally I texted, what the fuck? Uh, dash, dash, never mind. I'm buying them all. So then I go straight to the website and I did not buy them all because I was just like, Grace, calm the fuck down. So I ended up buying boxes one and four because I know- I bought two and four. Because one, you know, I love the number one. Uh-huh. <laughs> for obvious reasons. And then number four, I know, is Beyonce's favorite number. I was going to say, people were doing Beyonce math. They were like, four is uh, what she, the tattoo she has mm-hmm. for Blue Ivy. Mm-hmm. Um, her song, One Plus One, people were like, oh, one is going to be something having to do with relationships. Or maybe two is the best box because one plus one equals two. <laughs> so people were like doing Beyonce, like, I think, uh, beautiful mind shit, trying to figure out the boxes. Well, listen, you know what? <laughs> I think it's probably going to happen. I'm probably going to buy two more boxes. here's what i think i think because the description of the boxes is the same i literally think there's going to be a music video that drops on uh july 29th and there will be poses that she does from the music video that's on the t-shirt that will be on the shirt yeah because they say pose one pose two three and four so i'm like it's going to be the same box just with a different shirt that's My theory. Uh, I, I I don't know. All we have to do is sit and wait. I was like, why did she tell us so early? And she's teasing us with this fucking Vogue, British Vogue cover. Oh, she's like, that's right. I'm on my marketing my shit. God. <laughs> first of all, I, like, my eyes couldn't handle the beauty. Like, first of all, oh that God. gold outfit, the pink outfit. There's just so many fits. Like the the one where she's like in metallics and she has fucking bubbles all around. Like, like come she looks on. like 
She looks like a <sighs> robot Beyonce. The red for me, it's the red horse. Like I'm like black women on horses. I'm like, go on cowboy, go on cowgirl. Yeah, I heard you, that there may be some country elements to this album. Of course there will. So. Beyonce tackles all genres, all forms with uh, the melodic melodies but of I'm her just, voice. No matter what she does, we will be um, standing. standing her. Even if she's just like, here's a note. Y'all don't get a whole song on the 29th, okay? <laughs> the Renaissance is my voice going, ha! Ah! And then that's it. Literally, and be like, be I like, stand. Beyonce the legend. Give us nothing, queen. <laughs> this is all we deserve. <laughs> we are garbage. We are filth. <laughs> Give us nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, uh, now that we have reached peak joy because of our Beyonce standing, uh, uh, we kind of have to bring ourselves back down, unfortunately, because we cannot have The Antidote, the title of this podcast, without having something to have an antidote from. That's right. So we're starting up top now with our bummer news of the week. <laughs> so the first bummer news item is something that's been going on for a while. Um, Brittany Griner, who is a WNBA star um, and has played for the Russian Premier League uh, since 2014, was detained in Moscow on February 17th after officials claimed to have found vape cartridges with hashish oil in her bag. Hashish oil is illegal to possess in Russia. As of last week, Russia has extended her detention. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I have to tell you listeners that I almost didn't want to do this story because it, it is, it breaks my heart every day. My sis is over there, you know, yeah. this Black woman in this very racist European country, and I want her home. I want her back. Yeah. I want you to send in Navy SEALs to go yeah. get her from where the fuck she is. And I understand that there's all this diplomatic bullshit, but I, I don't want her where Putin is. I want my sis back home. Yeah. So I can't I can't go missing because Anderson Cooper is not gonna be talking to my mama on the news trying to figure out where I am. If I go missing, I know. It's not the same as if a white woman goes missing. Yeah. You know, we they don't, we don't care. We don't hear about the black women that go missing. So I know this is not that, but it's bringing up that for me. What can we do to help, you know, our sis get home? Yeah. Um, so it, it, this, you know, this has been really hard for me to even think about. And I know it's important for us to think about it because, you know, not thinking about it brings less awareness to it, but mm -hmm. it, it, this has been so hard to even process. Yeah. And part of that, uh, the difficulty of processing it is why we bring it up anyway, because stories about Black women missing are often underreported and we have to call attention to this. And even though we're a podcast and not uh, a news source, I think it's important to shine a light on the fact that more often than not, when Black women go missing, they don't make the headlines. And she's one of the most famous Black women to be in a situation like this. So it is important to keep talking about it. You're right. That's not our only bummer news, though. There has been um, a warning in Tennessee from police telling people not to pick up folded dollar bills because they could have fentanyl in them. And authorities mm. in Tennessee, just to give the uh, full full log line on this bummer news, is that authorities in Tennessee are warning residents not to pick up discarded folded dollar bills because they may contain fentanyl. And I got to tell you, one, it kind of reminded me of the pilot of that show Workaholics on Comedy oh, Central, yeah. <laughs> where they had the folded dollar bills and they were always pooping them. <laughs> and I was like, don't pick up the... It's a poop bill. It's a poop bill. So I was like, it 
remind me of that first. And then it also just remind me of an urban legend, like yeah. the idea of like, Whoa, something your parents tell you before you take the train alone. Like, yeah. <laughs> be careful. Yeah, it's so wild that this is an actual story because we actually we had to check into it because we're just like, is this real? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know what? This actually brought up for me is that when I first moved to New York, uh, when I was 23, uh, I would find money on the street all the time. What? I don't know if it was just God being like, oh, look at this poor little broke girl (laughs) that she moved here on the Greyhound bus with nothing. (laughs) So maybe maybe we'll just help her. But literally on the street all the time. When I was in New York, like I would enough pick, to pay rent. I would or like no, enough to buy no. Coffee? I would just find like a twenty, a five, you know, a dollar what? bill, and like for the first whole year in New York, I used to just find money on the street. But just to be clear, the county sheriff's office has said it's not like you touch the money and fentanyl gets on your fingers and then boom, you're dead. It's literally that it's you can inhale it. Uh, pro tip: uh, don't put your face near any money. (laughs) It's filthy. There's literally (laughs) nothing more filthy than money. (sighs) How are you feeling, Grace, after discussing this bummer news? (sighs) Well, it it has brought me down from my Beyonce uh, glow. Uh, Yeah, it feels dark. Guys, don't sniff your money. Um, I feel like we... We might need the antidote. Yeah, well, let's get into it. So, guys, this is a segment where we talk about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news. What was your antidote this week, Grace? Well, um, you know, it's been really tough even to, like, watch TV at all because um, it's been, like— the, uh, you know, I've, I've said many times that RuPaul's Drag Race is the only thing that brings me joy as far as watching anything. Um, yeah. Also, Girls 5 Eva, uh, shout out. I think they just had their season finale. It was great. But, nice. um So I was just like, what do I watch? Sometimes, you know, even though we work in the industry, sometimes I go on Netflix and stuff like that. It's so overwhelming. Like, what do I yeah. watch? There's like, so there's just TV. so much stuff on. So I was just like, uh, I, uh, you know, went on YouTube because I've <laughs> been watching a lot of like silly things on YouTube and also like, you know, fashion videos and stuff like that. And I saw that two of my favorite drag queens have a podcast and I'm like, oh, wait, what? Just uh, like us? Yes. <laughs> and they inspire them? LOL. No, no, no. <laughs> They've been doing it for years, it turns out. Uh, but Did they inspire us? Uh, <laughs> Unconsciously, because literally, I feel like so uh, connected to the to the uh, drag race girls. They're all friends in my head, but um, Mm -hmm. so it it, it's on YouTube, um, and it's called the Sibling Rivalry Podcast, and it's starring Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. So I love these queens and they are best friends and their friendship is so sweet and they just talk about whatever like they they'll just pick a topic like like Mm -hmm. I I listened to one last night called the one about porn or whatever so like they'll talk about just anything and then they have this very cute like arguing banter or whatever like 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 brother brothers you know like two Uh brothers and it's very adorable um and they're so funny 
And so on uh, YouTube, you know, they have a whole uh, channel, uh-huh. you know, for sibling rivalry. So they do sibling rivalry, which is just a topic that they uh, talk about. And they do sibling watchery, which they um, either watch the current season of Drag Race or mm-hmm. they watch past seasons of Drag Race. They're watching a past mm-hmm. season right now because Monet, um, one of the hosts, is on a current season of Drag Race. So they don't want to like obviously talk about um, it with Monet kind of being on it. Um, And then um, they also have advisory where people uh, write in advice, like write in for advice. And so it's just like, oh my God. So it's like three different experiences. So I started going Uh back and watching a bunch of the old ones. And then I saw that halfway through on YouTube, it kind of drops off of the video and you're just hearing audio. And I was just like, wait, I want to see my friends. And and so uh, they have a Patreon. So I just signed up for my very first Patreon. Oh, that's Uh, great. So uh, now I pay, uh, I think I, I, whatever, whatever level is like $10 a month, I pay now so I could see the whole entire video and I get the videos a little bit early and um yeah they have like Patreon exclusive things like you could watch like Bob hosts this thing called the pit stop where they talk about the current season of Drag Race that Monet is on. Mm-hmm. So, um, so like, you could watch the pitch stop with Bob. Like, today with Bob, I could watch the pitch stop at 3 p.m. So, it's just, like, brought, like, a lot of joy to my life because it never gets mm. super, super heavy. It, like, the one of the ones I watched just recently, like, Monet was crying, but he was crying because he was so happy. <laughs> And I was just kept laughing and kind of crying, too, because I'm just like, oh, to be so happy to be brought to tears. I have not felt that happy in a while. But I was just like, it's Mm. so beautiful watching this queen, like, in the midst of, like, this massive glow up that Mm -hmm. uh, he is going through uh, because of the show, like, being on this all-winter season. And he's so happy. And Bob has a show on HBO called We're Here. And it's just so beautiful to watch these, like... Two just like really just super black men because they love their blackness and and everything mm-hmm. like that to to watch them be so successful to see their joy and witness their joy yeah. and be a part of their joy and even like contribute to it through the Patreon. It just really, mm. really made me happy. And it just made me so glad that you and I are doing this. Cause I was just yeah. like, oh my God, when my sister's show gets picked up, we could celebrate it on here. You, and like when big things happen in our lives, we could celebrate that and communicate our joy through uh, this podcast that definitely like lit me up this week and I watched way too many of those because, uh, you know, at the end of the night, I just want to smile. And and so thank you, Bob, the drag queen and Monet exchange for for being my antidotes this week. So how about you, Amy? <laughs> what is your antidote this week? Um, well, I am currently in Texas visiting my family. Um, by the time this no. airs, I shan't be here anymore. <laughs> but my antidote has been uh, long walks with my mom. Aww. Every since I was a child, actually, when I was a kid, since I was a wee baby in uh, North Texas, um, 
I love a long walk. And actually, when I was in high school, my dad and I used to go for morning runs together. Mm-hmm. And um, after I went away to college, I came, when every time I would visit, my mom and I would go for a walk. She's like, I can't run like you and your dad, so let's go for a walk. And it sort of just became that. Now my dad don't even walk with us. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's just like a tradition. It, no matter how long I'm home, if I'm home for three days, one of these mornings we're getting up early and going for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, more if we can, but you know, um, this was kind of a, a quick trip. I, I just went to see my dad for Father's Day. Mm-hmm. So my mom and I went on a nice long walk this morning and it's really hot. There's like a heat wave in Texas. So we had to go really early. Wow. Um, and we were just sweating our fucking nuts off, like going on this walk. <laughs> and also I taught my parents how to listen to the podcast. So she's going to hear me say that I sweat my fucking nuts off. Oh. Sorry, mom. Um, but <laughs> but Sorry, Miss Annie <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Sorry. But we walked together and it just, it's one of the things, like, you know, when you go home and your parents, like, try and make you their little kid again, like, they're going to make yeah. you meals. And they're like, you need your laundry washed. And there's so many things that I, like, kind of do to make my parents feel better. Yeah. Like, to be like, yeah, of course, buy me a sweater. You know, and I'm just <laughs> like, I don't need this. And I do it to make them feel better. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's a little annoying to have to kind of, like, revert to, like, a, a slightly needy place when mm-hmm. you are so adept at taking care of yourself yeah. as an adult. But I find the walk with my mom is something that I do to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. And she loves a walk. Like she walks all the time, even when I'm not home. But it's something that is a reminder of my youth and being a kid with my mom, because we've always done this, Mm -hmm. that doesn't feel... It never feels like, oh, okay, yeah, mom, let's go for this walk. Like, I'm always like, mom, when are we going for a walk? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's the thing that's mine that yeah. I feel like I give to her instead of the other things that I feel like she is giving to me where I'm like, I don't need this anymore. But the walk is something that we both love and both need and both oh. enjoy and look forward to. Um, so sometimes when I come home, as much as I love my family, like family can kind of be a stressor. So there are times where it... The, the antidote of family isn't always something that I latch on to, mm. but there will be moments. And I always know, like when I came home on this trip, I was like, my antidote is going to be making sure that I squeeze in and walk with my mom. And it made me feel really happy. Oh, I love that. I do really like to tie our, our antidotes together. And I don't know the natural tie this week, except that you can very often listen to a podcast when you're on a long walk. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, we're, we're in two different places right now. You're in Texas, so it's okay. We, we can have different things this time. Yeah, yeah. We'll tie together next week. Yeah, we'll tie together <laughs> next week. Maybe. Who knows? We might, we might never tie together again. <laughs> oh, no. Also, we want to know what your antidotes are, listeners. Tell us your self-care stories. Head to our website, antidoteshow.org. Scroll to the bottom and press contact us. You can even send us a voice note or a video. Have fun with it. We might just play it on a future episode. Mm-hmm. We'll be back right after the break. So welcome back to The Antidote. We have a very special guest today. Who is it, Amy? Well, our guest today is a comedian, writer, actor, author, and activist. His Netflix show special comedically detailed his life as a gay man with cerebral palsy. In 2019, he received the Human Rights Campaign Visibility Award and was named one of the 50 trailblazing individuals who actively ensure society remains moving towards equality, 
acceptance, and dignity for all queer people. He's starring in the reboot of Queer as Folk on Peacock. And look out for his new book, y'all. It's called Just By Looking At Him, and it's on shelves now. Please welcome Ryan O'Connell. Hi. It's very nice to be here. Well, thank you so much for coming. Of course. Um, We're so thrilled that you're here. You are very, very impressive. But we are not here to talk about your many, many accomplishments. Uh -uh. We are here to get deep. (laughs) Get my my publicist on the fucking phone. This is bullshit. (laughs) Oh, my God. He's right here, actually. Uh, We're sorry. Uh, We're going to change the whole format of our show. (laughs) But Grace is right. We're here to get deep. So we want to check in first. How are you feeling today? Like, for real, not small talk. Yeah. Is there anything weighing on you? Um, I feel very strange. I feel like I'm turning my brain into the container store because I feel like I'm mm. having to do press for these two things that I care very deeply about. But mm. I'm having to do it against a backdrop of, like, tumult and dread. And yep. it feels it yeah. feels sort of tasteless. And it feels like I don't know how to navigate this. However... Uh, yeah, so basically it's like container store vibes in my brain right now. And I don't quite, I don't know. It just feels like, it just feels like not chic. Like none of it yeah, feels chic. You it's know what I mean? not. And you know what? I really identify with the container store metaphor. Mm. Uh, a store I loved as a child because I'm a Virgo and I like Oh my God, order. Wait, you're a Virgo? Order. Yeah. Honey, that, ex- <laughs> that explains all the deadline announcements. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. By the way, by the way, I'm just right. saying this because I'm a Virgo too, baby. So I love it. But that's why I identified with your container store metaphor because this time is really bleak and there's a lot to hold and we somehow have to keep pressing forward. So me, I want to keep those good vibes going because we need that right yeah. now. Well, I, I I feel I feel guilty because I feel like I'm a relentless pursuer of joy. And I feel like mm-hmm. that feels almost like it almost feels like not conscientious, like in a weird mm. way. I know it sounds crazy. I mean, I also think social media has like warped our brains in terms of like what this is history is activism and showing up and yeah. po- like I don't post things I don't like post like o- outragey like I I just don't do that because it's at a certain point what am I actually doing like what is this yeah. actually doing yeah and yeah. I feel like after the pandemic we were robbed of so much pleasure doing those two years I mean lol I'm acting like it's not you know it's over <laughs> again container, <laughs> con- container store but uh but basically uh yeah so I I felt like when when I got vaccinated I was like okay mm-hmm. I'm going to pursue pleasure and mm-hmm. like that was like my my key word and it kind of has been like kind of my guiding word the last year because mama needs it you know what I mean no I love that for you um and I love that. I think more people can take that lesson because we're only on this little blue orb for a little bit. So you might as well. Uh, And I don't know about you, but like as I've been getting older, like life just keeps moving faster and faster. Like the years keep flying by. So you might as well get some pleasure out of it. Um, But let me let me ask you a, a question. Sure. Ryan. Do you have any specific rituals that you have in your life that sort of help calm you? Oh my god! Of course. I mean, I some are some are very basic. Some are not. Some mm-hmm. are very basic in the sense that, like exercise. <laughs> ever heard of, like ever heard of it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like I, I I think um, as you get older, it's sort of an all hands on deck scenario with your endorphins, and mm-hmm. uh, I'll take mom. I get really greedy when it comes to endorphins, and I'll take what I can get. So. Yes. 
So I exercise is a huge part of my life. Having a yeah. healthy mm-hmm. connection to my body. As a writer, we obviously are living mm-hmm. up here in, in our, our computer heads. store brains. So time. it's it's really good to like not return my brain's text for an hour and just like, you know, also I love, you know, I'm vain. <laughs> so there's also that. Um, so there ain't um, nothing wrong with it, baby. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This idea of like perfectionism, like yeah. bigger, faster, stronger. It's like obviously like, especially like, being born into a body that I could not control. I feel like I exerted mm-hmm. control in every other aspect mm-hmm. of my life. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. So exercise is really, really important. And then I go on swing sets. Like I <gasps> love the swings. I love this about you. <laughs> Still, you love swing. Okay, so I'm a, do you I'm obsessed like, with swings? Okay, so what kind of swinger are you? Are you a glider or are you a or are you a pumper? Like, do you do a lot of leg? You know? Oh, that's a great question. That's a really great question. So when you are on swings as much as I am, honey, she's mm-hmm. worse. She is mm. worse. Like, I love oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because yes. I, I go and like when I'm done, like the hands are raw. And I'm like, I probably have like 80 diseases. Because uh-huh. of those freaking metal <laughs> cables. Like why no. are the swings so? <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'm truly like, it's like literally like skin is peeling. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, I'm, a, I'm an athlete. <laughs> um, <laughs> These are your battle scars. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you can tell that he works with his hands. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah um, and so, yeah. So I've been going on swings man, ever since I was a little kid. Duh. But then seeing it transition to adulthood, um, there's a really good swing set. And I mean, I'm very specific about my swings, first of all. Oh, a lot let's of them, hear the criteria. Well, a lot of them are not up to snuff. So I okay. I used to go to mm-hmm. Coldwater Canyon Park. Um, loved it. I also loved it. It was like all nannies. Like, yeah. I, I, truly, it was like so dark. It's like in the hills of Beverly Hills. Like the oh, hills. Hit- no, <laughs> you're honey, right. I know that park. Nobody honey. take a care of their own baby. <laughs> honey, when, when the hills have hills, you know it's dark. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but I loved it because... Great swings. You could really gain yeah. traction. It was mm-hmm. really, and it was like sand on your feet, which I love. Because um, uh-huh. I, ha- I hate the beach, but I love sand. <laughs> make it make sense. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so that was a way for me to like engage in sand culture without having to go to the beach. And sand so, culture. I, <laughs> so I really loved it. I really loved it. But then, but then something happened, something catastrophic, something that really threw me off my axis, which is that they, uh, they took out the sand and they re- like, they replaced it with just like concrete. And it was like, oh, that's no. not okay. It's what? not okay. It's Why'd not they okay. do that? Uh, probably to get me out of there. <laughs> yeah, they were like, mm, this man likes sand. <laughs> no, so because, because by the way, when I, when I go, I go up for up to like two hours, you know what I mean? And so yeah. when, when I, it's a day trip. Like, it's like, oh yeah. Day. Oh, totally. And so, and kids will come up to me. I mean, I wrote this into my show, but like kids will come up to me and literally be like, mm, we're waiting. And they, they have no tact. They'll just say, it's my turn and I'll just look away because I have my headphones on. And I'll yeah, pretend like, they don't exist. <laughs> yeah, and then the parents look at me very disturbed and then it's like, we move on from that whole moment and we don't address. <laughs> also, I just want to say that I live for the fact that you don't get off the swings for the children because guess what they got to learn? They got to learn that the light, that the world is a revolve around them. Yes. So you are giving them an early lesson. My airy spirit loves that flame. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher in so many areas. Yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I Thank you for acknowledging that. Because I, I mean, I never would. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Ryan, uh, I um, really loved this NPR uh, interview that you did recently. That, um, I did? I read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Too much press, darling. Too much press. I don't remember. Um, basically, you said uh, in the interview that uh, when you wrote your first book or whatever, you mm-hmm. had not yet dealt with some of your internalized ableism. Yes. Um, and I've heard talk of internalized racism, internalized misogyny, internalized homophobia. But I was just like, oh, wow, that's the first time I've really heard that term used. Mm. But I just wondered um, what lessons you've learned about internalized ableism that you can now articulate. Yeah, I mean, it's like internalized ableism feels like carbon monoxide in the sense that like you're breathing it in all the time and you don't even realize you're slowly poisoning yourself. I mean, I think... I think even when we talk about the gym and when we talk about exercise, I think Mm -hmm. even that can be a very complicated slippery slope for me to live in. Because on one Mm -hmm. hand, it's been really empowering to see my body, which I normally used to see as sort of like this defective flop. Like, like, and all Mm -hmm. I could see it was as something as a failure. As like all I could Mm -hmm. see it was through the lens of the things I couldn't do. Then when I went to the gym, I was like, oh, chic, like go truly go off. Like, like you're 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 surpassing my expectations, but. A part of me also feels like I am striving for a body that presents as, I mean, I'll never present as able body because I have a limp and it's very visible, but like part of my body, like it's so complicated. It's like I, I lost mm-hmm. weight during the pandemic and it was like, I, in, in some ways I felt better because my muscles are very tight. It felt, I felt like looser in general, but then also mm-hmm. I was like, oh, am I like, Am I like trying to make my body more conventionally attractive? Am I trying to, Mm -hmm. again, it's like, am I chasing this kind of able-bodiedness that is Mm -hmm. by the way, elusive and I'm never going to have, but like, Mm -hmm. but like, where does that, where, where does like genuine self-improvement end and like kind of like internalized ableism begin? Cause it's Mm -hmm. like, they kind of feed each other and it's really hard to parse out which is motivating which. So it's like, I, I, I mean, I think that interrogating it and being aware of it is still mm-hmm. miles away from where I used to be, where I didn't even know what internalized right. ableism was. Yeah. But it pops up in really kind of unexpected ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, again, it goes back to like, even like my drive for success is sort mm-hmm. of like, I'll show you. Cause I've yeah. been like, I've been like chronically underestimated my entire life. Right. And there's something I really get off on like showing like what, a person with a disability is capable of, but mm-hmm. also like, but also that feels problematic because it ha- I have this like Superman complex that is like, doesn't allow me to actually like rest, mm-hmm. but it's also brought me so many amazing gifts. So it's sort of like, yeah. I, it's really complicated, babe. It's like not a yeah. simple thing. You know what I mean? No, a hundred percent. And and neither are any of the internalized things because, you know, as a black woman, I identify with a lot of what you said that like, I am chronically underestimated constantly. So mm-hmm. it feels like I have to, there's so much to prove, but mm-hmm. then it's sort of like, and it has brought me a lot of blessings and success, but then also I'm just like, why do I feel like I have to prove so much to, and to whom am I proving it? You know what I'm saying? So I think that it, it's a very relatable thing. Uh, yeah. Anyone who is is different in any way uh, can relate to that. Do you guys ever wonder what it would be like, though, if people estimated you the right amount? Like, like do you ever wonder, like, where you would be in your life if if so much of the motivating factor wasn't I'll show you, like I'll prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I, I sometimes wonder that if I like, if every day wasn't just like this hill that I had to climb and be like, fuck you guys, I can do it. Like I wonder yeah. what it would be like. Basically like what would it be like to be like Rob Schneider in the late 90s? You know what I mean? Well, it's so funny that, because the thing that I always find myself wondering is what would it be like if 
what if I knew that someone would bet on my potential instead of my achievement? I think that's where I'm like, oh, I'm always wanting someone to bet on my achievement instead of the fact that, oh, maybe she could do it which is really that's hard. That's so, that's so, I relate to that so hard. And it's like, oh, anyway, that is so real. So I feel like in life, it's just like all the preparation that we as like women or people of color, or, you know, disabled people, like we are all the preparation that we think that we have to do. There are certain things you can't do it until you actually do it. Yeah. So you just kind of have to bet on yourself and believe that whatever things that are in your personality that need to come out to be effective at that thing will come out and right. they will show themselves. But yeah. th- but there's also like it makes sense though that we're not like second guessing ourselves because yeah. because okay so for every yeah. champion that mm-hmm. like there's always like there's 80 million people that are like no you know what I mean yeah, and like that are not that are not betting on you and it really does take mm-hmm. one person to be like no who has power and who is yeah. like no 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 this person can do it and they can lift yeah. you up and do all this stuff because like uh, beyond that little utopia of like a party of two or three, it's still mm-hmm. a scary fucking yeah. landscape. Well, it is really hard to like stay motivated when you're being creative and you feel like all these gatekeepers are keeping you out. So I'm curious, like when was the last time you had to talk to yourself to motivate yourself? And what did you say? I have a very thick skin and I know how to emotionally bottom like nobody's business. And yeah. this bu- this business <laughs> is a lot of emotionally bottoming. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, I just know how to do that. And yeah. I know how to not get discouraged because I am very, very laser focused about what I want to do. And I've been trolled since the moment I was alive. So like yeah. <laughs> throwing some more trolls, I was like, honey, fine. They're like, join the pack, baby. It is disappointing though. I mean, I think we, I just went out with a show accessible, which is going to be an all disabled boarding school. And, uh, it was going to be like John Hughes, but like make it without obviously the problematic stuff too. Um, but, but like, it was going to be really amazing because like what a wide spectrum of disabilities, what a fun thing to explore. There's all kinds of Mm -hmm. people, all kinds of walks of life. Um, I just realized walks of life is ableist term, whatever. Um, so, but everyone, everyone passed and it was sort of like, wow, like people still really don't care about disability in this really profound way like and it like and it wasn't it wasn't it didn't t- i didn't take to the bed but mm-hmm. it was very much like all right that's information baby that's information yeah. that's another thing i always say that's information my friend Catherine to- taught mm-hmm. me that I where she was like if something oh you do i do i well no wait i say i've learned a thing that's what oh. I, that's my that's information i say oh I've my god a thing. Isn't I've it, learned a by thing. the way, isn't it kind of incredible? Like, I, it's so, it's so minor, it's, but it like the perspective shift that it allows you to yeah. have is mind blowing. It's yeah. like, okay, that's information. I know that mm-hmm. now. Okay, moving on, moving on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Honestly, like in four years, those same people will be like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with you. Like they won't even remember that they passed on your show. Oh, they won't. Well, by the way, everyone passed on special. Everyone, I mean, I can I can say this now. I don't really give a shit. Netflix passed on special in 2015 and then bought it in 2018. So you Funny. never know until you know. You never like, know. You never it's know. It's literally nuts. Absolutely. I really enjoyed uh, the video you made for your coming out story. And if I wonder if, uh, like coming out to your friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I wonder if yeah. you could describe that uh, for our listeners and um, sure, like how how your friends reacted when you did that. Well, I was going to say you only come out once, but that's not true. You can actually come out multiple <laughs> times. Many, many, many times. Uh, <laughs> um, but I wanted to only do it once. I'm an efficient Virgo, okay? I'm not here to fuck around. Like, yeah. when, I, when I've decided something, it's on and, like, that's it. So, Fall in line world. <laughs> yeah. So I, I came out when I was 17. I used I did it by appointment for like my first and second tier friends. And that was exhausting. But like also loved, <laughs> loved, loved being booked. Honey, it was the original press. Hello. It was the, you it was are doing second press. tier. It was, it was, hello. It was, but it was the original press. It was the original doing press. It was doing press. And, uh, and so then when, uh, when I got done with those, I was like, oh God, am I going to send a mass text? Like how the fuck am I going to tell people? And I was right. like, oh, I'll just throw a party. Chic. Um, mm-hmm. my mom went out of town. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to throw a giant rager. And then so I sent a text to everyone in my phone being like, hey, guys, come to my house for a secret that will change all our lives forever. And then I made a drama. I the, love oh, it, honey, the dramatic. The dra- by the way, if you didn't know I was a person that was gay. Yeah, they were like, that. we know what this is about. No, I know. Shockingly, a lot did it. A lot of people did it. But it was 2004. So it was like Jack McFarland or bust. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was so, a time. Yeah, it was a simpler time. So basically, I was like, okay. I'm going to go, and I went with my friends that knew I was gay, and we went to Spencer's Gifts in the mall and got, like, all these, like, kind of, Mm. I like, like, penis pasta, these phallic little gifts, blah, blah, blah. I put up a Morrissey and Mar poster, and, like, and then I filmed a video with my friend Katie where she, like, goes in to kiss me, and I'm like, no, I can't! And she's like, what do you mean? Why are you not into me? And I was like, because I'm gay, bitches! And And then I... I turned to the camera and everyone started cheering and it was so good. And I invited my crush and I definitely saw his dick that night. Not to brag. <laughs> no, you first of all, that story is iconic. Iconic. It is so perfect. Um, I, I also love. It's producing. I, I love it. I also already love. A showrunner. I was already a showrunner. I mean, really though. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> Do it again, Katie. That wasn't it. I don't believe you. No, I know. I was like, Katie, uh, you're not landing the joke, but okay. Okay, I love you, but... <laughs> there was a setup. There was, you know, some lead up to it. And sure. then there was just, you know, a climax. So it was like, Great storytelling. Um, and yeah. uh, I did what I had to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, you did what you had and to Ventura, do. And Ventura had the opportunity to tell a story like that were medium rare. So I, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, I, was, I was grasping at Coke straws, you know, as a storyteller. It was, I didn't get the opportunity. As a young storyteller. As a young gay storyteller in Ventura, California, I didn't get many opportunities. Uh, <laughs> so I had to take what I could get. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is an iconic story. I love it. And I feel like that's a beautiful place to end. Wow, Ryan, I yes. feel so much better now that we've talked to you. Oh, good. Yeah. Yes. Well, obviously, your your show is coming out soon and your book is coming out. Um, would you like to take a moment to plug it? Oh, real sure. Quick? Yeah. Um yes. Queer Spoke comes out on Peacock June 9th. If you haven't gotten it already, I, I don't blame you, but you should. Um <laughs> Uh, now is the st- time, bitches. There's, there's a lot of <laughs> streaming platforms, I understand, but this is worth it. I trust me. Uh, and then my novel, Just By Looking At Him, comes out June 7th. No, I would never choose to have two projects come out in one week. However, if you're gay, you are legally required to have things released during Pride Month. It's not my fault. <laughs> and if you don't buy it during Pride Month, guess what? You're homophobic. You're homophobic. So <laughs> you better Absolutely. tune in and you better buy the book. 
Exactly. Yep. And speaking of pride, all these products are sponsored by Chase Bank. <laughs> Coca-Cola. <laughs> My novel is sponsored by Oshkosh Bagash and Massage Envy. <laughs> that rainbow can of Coke. Go get yeah. it. Oh, pride no. We're allies for Feels 30 good days. to be gay. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people find you uh, on the internet? Oh, I mean, if you are that unwell that you want to follow me, I guess you can follow Follow me at Ryan Ocon, O-C-O-N-N. Ooh, I love that. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> this is this is fantastic. Ryan, thank you so much. I've loved oh, every second. So Grace and I just got our life. Oh, thank you. This was so <laughs> fun too, you guys. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Okay, to close this out, we're doing our creative tap-in, which is our segment about creativity. Amy, are you ready for this week's quotes? Yeah, let's go. Without leaps of imagination or dreaming, we lose the excitement of possibilities. Dreaming, after all, is a form of planning. That's by Gloria Steinem. Um, I'll read it one more time. Without leaps of imagination or dreaming, we lose the excitement of possibilities. Dreaming, after all, is a form of planning. It's interesting. I, I know I usually like love the quotes. This one to me is a little, uh, it's a hard for me because, and I'll say something that was also quite Virgo is I dream about work a lot and um, I hate it. Like it makes me feel like I worked all night um, and I constantly dream about work. Like I'm constantly like kind of like, not, I'm not like a savant and like solving story problems in my sleep. It's not that. I'm literally like dreaming of myself like writing on a whiteboard or dreaming of myself at my computer writing a script. Wow. Oh and my I'm just God. like, that sounds stressful. I hate it. Yeah. It's like, I hate it. And I, when I dream about work, I know it's because I'm stressed out about the thing I'm dreaming about. So I'll dream mm. about pitching. And I'm like, oh, I'm stressed about pitching. Let me practice my pitch. But it's not uh, quite pleasant for me to dream about yeah. work and dreaming about work is my brain trying to plan for the stressful thing? So this quote, mm -hmm. I would like to keep imagination and dreaming separate from planning because as a Virgo, mm -hmm. I plan everything. Like I literally, just to have something to cross off every day, I write wake up as the first thing on my to-do list. Oh my so, God. <laughs> so that I at least start but my day having accomplished one thing. I, I have oh wake God. up. And uh, so I plan everything. Um, so this quote doesn't quite speak to me. It's the first one. Uh, and I love Gloria Steinem. Believe in everything she stands for, the things that I know that she stands for, at least. Um, uh, but this one doesn't. I, I, I prefer to think of imagination and dreaming and the excitement of those places as completely separate from planning. Um, but mm -hmm. I think I see her point. But anyway, what, what do you think? What do you think about the quote? Um, well, I, I don't... Um... I don't process dreaming as um, like sleep dreaming. I process it as oh. dreaming, like like actively thinking about the things that you would like to happen. In okay. Your life. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Yes. So that that's how I processed it anyway. I so that. Uh, dreaming, after all, is a form of planning to me. Is just the whole idea of uh, if you can't see it, you can't be it, you know? Um, so even like thinking about our guest today, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, internalized ableism and all this different stuff. Like in order for me to 
try to be this um, person in Hollywood that doesn't sort of fit the mold of what you typically see in Hollywood. I had to be able to imagine it. I had to be able to see it. So I try um, to spend some time actively dreaming and imagining every day um, what I want for my life um, professionally, uh, creatively, um, dreaming of other ideas for scripts or other ideas for things that I want to do. It feels like before before I can bring the fullness of the life that I want into existence, I have to imagine it first and I have to dream it first. So it's kind of a little bit like, like manifesting? manifestation. Yeah, I was like, I, yeah. I want to swap the word for myself of dreaming with manifestation, manifesting. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the time that I spend like thinking of like my idealized uh, life, like the career that I want, the the movies that I want to write, and mm-hmm. the the um the shows I want to create, and mm-hmm. like how I want to be processed as someone in the industry that can rise to a level where I can reach back and help other people. Like it's all in order for me, I think, to get there someday. I have to spend active time dreaming and imagining um, that for myself. So I I thank Gloria Steinem for this quote because it is reminding me today that... uh, In order to for it to come to pass, I have to imagine it. I have to dream it up. I like the quote more now. I understand it. (laughs) Good. I'm I'm glad. I was just like, okay, drag me for this quote this week. (laughs) (laughs) I understand it in a new way. I was thinking of dreaming and sleeping, and I was like, she's telling me to dream about work. (laughs) I was so mad. But now I get it. But it's so interesting to me as your friend that you like. There's nothing that says work about this. There is absolutely nothing planning that says work. Planning about to it. me is equal to work. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But that's but that's how you process it because you're you like me also like, you know, we we are very identified with our work. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but yeah, that that's really interesting. That um, also just the different ways that we saw dreaming um, is is really interesting. So this is. This is an interesting quote this week. Yeah. (laughs) So um, thanks, uh, everyone, for listening to The Antidote. We hope that this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? Yeah, I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracieact. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe and rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. And stay chic, honey. The Antidote is hosted by us, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. 
It's produced by Jenna Hanchard, and our associate producer is Taylor Polidor. Our executive producer is Erica Kraus, and our editor is Erica Janik. Sound mixing by Rachel Breeze. Digital production by Mishu Sayuni. Talent booking by Marion Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM Studio Executives in Charge are Chandra Kabati, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's, y'all. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media. Yeah, it is.